Hi, folks. Welcome to the Eclipse Sky Studios podcast. My name is Avery, owner of Eclipse Sky Studios, where we make digital content featuring videos and photography that helps small businesses get their clients to do what they want them to do. So this podcast is about featuring small businesses and what they do to help their clients. Today, we have Carl DePrado across from me, who's going to talk about what he does. Carl is the owner of A to Z uh, IT business. He specializes in cybersecurity and what was it? Information technology? Information technology. Uh, thank you for you know jumping on the show with us tonight. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So uh, tell us a little bit about what, what you do. Well, what we do is we, we, with the challenges that have happened, things have changed. We have a lot more threats coming from us from all, where, all areas. It used to be my business was about making sure that the printers ran and stuff like that. <laughs> It's changed dramatically. It's it's really evolved. And what we look now at is making sure that the client's data is secured. Mm-hmm. And that data takes a lot of different – manifests itself in a lot of different ways. It can be the internal client data. It can be shared in PCI data, which means credit cards or social security of the employees. Okay. And also, their, also the stuff that they have a fiduciary responsibility to their customers. Mm-hmm. And so we look at how in this environment of how to secure that – while still allowing them to work with and manipulate that data, because all businesses run on data. Whether they're, you know, whether you're mowing the lawn, <laughs> you've got to have a client list of what you're doing. To whether you're going to be doing, you know, um, moonshots or something, you need to have. Everybody has to have certain proprietary data that they're using to secure that. Mm-hmm. And what's happened is the bad guys have realized that there's value in that. So you have two different attack vectors. You have stuff that's coming from the outside. Mm-hmm. Whether that is local cyber gangs that are very sophisticated now, cyber gangs, cyber gangs, they have these gangs that exist. Well, they're a little quiet now in Russia and the Ukraine, but before that, before that whole environment, you still had some of the biggest groups that look like regular legitimate businesses from the inside. No. Meaning a group like Conti Group, and there's another big group in in England. Mm-hmm. And what when I mean looks legitimate, a section of that of those companies are so large. We're talking about multi billion dollar companies. The Conti Group. Grew to a half a billion dollars within two years. Wow. You want to talk about like no capital, very quick growth. And what they do to make it legitimate is they have a small section of that group mm-hmm. that doesn't know that they're, that they're criminals. And the only reason we got a picture of, wh- of how bad the con- – of wh- how sophisticated this was is because, unfortunately, because of the war in Ukraine, mm-hmm. one of the employees one – one of the guys inside the Conti group was, U- was a Ukrainian national and – the rest of the group went towards Russia. And so they started, they did a big data dump. Mm-hmm. And so we now know the Conti group has employee incentives, employee of the month. Um, they have, um, they have quotas. They have um, recruitment um, bonuses. Wow. It's like a regular company. They have an HR. They have, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. They have an HR. Yeah. Human resource. And we're talking like you, you get your percentages, the big, the best paid people inside the group are what you call, um, ransomware negotiators. So if you, God forbid, you get ransomware on a computer or onto a system, mm-hmm. well, they don't make money until they get somebody to pay for the to send the Bitcoin. So these people are called negotiators to negotiate the price. That's like when the screen locks up. Yeah, and they're just like somebody's calling on the other end. And they go, "We really don't have, you know, you've got to let us go because we have so much important data." And now all of a sudden, instead of asking for seventeen thousand, they go, "Do do do, that's fifty thousand. Thank you." You know, or something along those lines. There have wow. actually been cases where people didn't know how to negotiate with these people, uh-huh. and they've gone from like five thousand um, dollar ransoms to multi, you know, hundreds of thousands because they've said stupid things like, "You can't, you can't lock our data down because it's so critical. All everybody needs it." 
these guys have no hearts. So you can't like turn it off. Like you no, can't just turn the computer off like in no, old because, days. Well, it's because it's your data inside of it. What the, what the bad guys will do is what it used to be is they would encrypt the data, meaning mm-hmm. that they would just lock you out of your own data. Now what they do is they they harvest the data. So they'll look at the data before the last thing that you'll see. And this is why now data breaches, you go, well, how does a Fortune 500 company, there was one just this week, um, yesterday, which was um, Flagstaff um, Federal Savings Bank, just today, um, 1.5 million records were released into the public. Wow. Social security numbers, driver's licenses, all the things that are at your banks. They found out when they've gone ahead and they've just released the information because they had to do a forensics on site, they realized that the breach was on December 3rd, 2001, mm-hmm. and they didn't – no, December 2nd, 2001, and they didn't realize the breach was, av- was there until June 3rd of, of 22. So that's six months almost right to the day. It took them over six months to realize that the breach was there because what they did was- 2001 or 2021? 2021. Oh. 2000, sorry, I got my date. <laughs> like no, 22 no. years data breach? That's crazy. Well, it's the invisible part. <laughs> but anyway, but still six months because what they did was, the last thing that they did was a, was was announce their presence because mm-hmm. they knew that they had gold in there. So they, so they started to siphon all that information off. Mm-hmm. They started to resell all of that. Because they had social security numbers. They go out to the black market. You know, these things are great because nobody knows that they've been breached. So all of a sudden people start, you know, they talk about your identity theft. This is how it comes from. And so they went in and grabbed all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And now what's going to happen, and then finally, you know, at the end of the day, it's sort of like, um, I don't know if you ever saw Goodfellas. Yes. There's a scene in Goodfellas where the guy owns a, owns a restaurant and he asks the mob to come in and be the partner. Mm-hmm. And at first they start, you know, Shoving all of the um, the food out of the side, you know they'll double order, they'll they'll t- they'll play with the books. Then finally, what they do is they take out a big insurance policy and they burn the place to the ground. <laughs> and that's kind of what ransomware is. By the time you notice the ransomware has been attacked, that's the last thing because that's there's nothing else to grab from the data. They've they've already taken all of the stuff out. They they picked it dry. And so at that point, though, the business still needs to operate. There was a – so the ransomware can really shut down all your operations. So that can be – you know, there was a, there's a school in uh, Illinois called um, Lincoln University. It was yes, I heard about tragic. that. Incredible. This is, a, this, is, this is one of the oldest schools, 150 years old. This is a school that was serving the community in mm-hmm. Chicago area. And they – what was it? it was, they had survived floods, fires, the depression – COVID. COVID. They defi- there was another outbreak, another, you know, the Spanish flu, which took out half of the population. Incredible loss. Wars. And if you go to their website now, you've got a Lincoln College, it'll, it'll announce that they had a breach and they c- shut down everything. They couldn't raise funds. They couldn't enroll their students. They couldn't do any of the th- operations. It was, they were locked out for six months. And even though they've gotten government grants, as of currently, the last time I looked was a week or two ago, so there's mm-hmm. I'm hoping maybe they pull out because I think the reason they still have it there is that they're trying to get more money to reopen this, which would be great for the community. But unfortunately, it took them over six months to restore the data, and, and they just said, we're, we're closed right now, even though they've had a, you know all this type of intervention. And so that's what happens with the ransomware. It really just breaks down your operations. And so that's where it's not just one computer. What will happen is if it gets onto one computer inside of a network – Think that's the reason why we call it a virus. If you think of like a kid at, in in a kindergarten class and they get a bug, 
that bug goes to all the other kids because they had poor immunity. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem is once they get into one system, what they'll start to do is they move what we call laterally. They'll start to go into all the other computers and look for all the systems to go in through and basically open up door. You know, it's like they've, they've gotten access into it, into the system. And once they do that, they'll sit low and they'll just start to slowly get credentials over time. They may not. So the days of like getting that pop-up and that warning that you have a virus, mm-hmm. You don't see it. And a lot of times what they're doing is they're using the tools that you already have and they're weaponizing them against you. So you don't even know that they're in because the new stuff, they're no longer using, you know, they're not loading a package that you would normally see or be able to detect. What they're doing is they're getting your credentials from XYZ sources and then they're using those to come in and to infiltrate your system. So what you're telling me is my antivirus is not going to help me right now. (laughs) Why did I pay so much for Norton? (laughs) You know, I really didn't. But I, I'm, glad <laughs> I'm really glad. No, Norton. Unfortunately, um, it's it, it gives you false sense of security. McAfee, the same thing. Antivirus. Oh. The way antivirus has historically worked mm-hmm. is they what you would do is you'd create what we call VMs, which are virtual machines. You could run thousands of them on a server, mm-hmm. and we and then they would proceed to be what we call honeypots. They would be little spots that would catch the viruses. And they were designed to pick up all the known threats that were out there. And so every day, they what happens, you have these large databases, of, and they'd analyze and go, okay, this is our list. We're going to build a list. And we're going to say, you know, if any of these things are on the list, the antivirus is going to stop them right there. So in theory, it works great. You, you, you know the bad, you know, get off this list, you, your, your antivirus updates daily, if it updates, picks this up and goes, oh, well, that's on the list. Here's the problem. If it's not on the list, it doesn't stop it. So think of it like a security guard mm-hmm. and you and they, somebody walks into the building and they've got the black mask on, they've got the crowbar, they've got you know a little wagon, they might be carrying some dynamite and drills, mm-hmm. but they're not on the list. So the guard lets them through. Wow. So they have and, to know it exists. Well, they'd have to know stuff. behavior now. So the new stuff is going to what we call, um, there's two different technologies, there's a few different technologies. We call it EDMR, um, which means, t- I'm sorry, um, MD. MDR, M- monitor, detect, and, re- and um, resolve, which means that you d- monitor the systems. You're not looking for particular data, but you're looking for certain behaviors. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of the ways something can come through is you get a Word document. Well, a Word document can be- have embedded inside of its software. Basically, you can program a Word document to act and do a lot of cool things. You may have opened something and said, wow, that's pretty functional. Spreadsheets, the same thing. You can have them hooked into websites and all of this. There's a lot of power inside of that. Wow. But you can also use it as a weapon, like anything else. It's like a hammer can build a house or crush a skull. It's the same thing with the technology. It doesn't have a personality. It's just who's using, who's wielding it. So that's why I'm saying, that's why I'm saying that it doesn't, it's not, where you need to have particular bad guy viruses because you can use the good stuff and weaponize it accordingly. And like right now, there was a breach that happened with Microsoft Word where there's an extension to a toolkit that's legitimately been used for years. Well, the problem was that you don't even have to open it. You just can mouse over this and it'll open up a back screen back door through what we call a PowerShell command mm-hmm. and launch in and basically take over the machine. And you have that silent partner now who doesn't have to tell you that they're there because you never got any notice. So this is this is where you have to have a lot of different layers. So the idea of having antivirus by itself as a single solution mm-hmm. is not reasonable. You have to have a layered approach. And even with that, 
you know, one of the ways you can tell when somebody in my business is a liar mm -hmm. is when they say you'll never get a virus or you'll never get breached. The truth is, unfortunately, in this environment, we're all at risk. We're, it's not if, it's when. What we tr do is we minimize the exposure. Minimize the risk. Minimize the risk. Just like you're going to get a flu or mm -hmm. you're going to bug, you're going to do certain things to protect yourself. You're going to wash your hands. You're going to, when you get a cut, you're going to put a Band-Aid on it. Mm -hmm. You're going you're gonna to try to reduce the chances of infections being dangerous. And so that's what the whole, so that's changed the whole business. It's really no longer a situation where one, where you just say, oh, I have antivirus, I'm okay. It just can't work that way because the tools, first of all, your data doesn't just live on your computer. It lives all over the place. Mm -hmm. We don't, just think about like, I want it on my computer. I want it on my smartphone. I want it on my tablet. Yeah. Well, that means it has to be sitting where we go. It's in the cloud. Well, the cloud is a server. Yeah. That's all it is. It's not locally hosted. It's being moved into a, into a server environment. So you need to track where all that data is. Now, it's as simple as if you're a one-man shop. Now, as you start to exp you expand to multiple people that have to have access to that data and share it across different places, now you have to be able to map those that data into different spots, which we call endpoints, and know where that data lives. And when you know it, then you have to also grade it. You have to know what's valuable and what's not. Because if you put, you don't put the same value to um, the Chinese menus that you may be saving, you know, in a drawer. True. As opposed to, you know, the HR records with the social security numbers. You, those you can leave out on top of the desks. <laughs> the other ones you want to lock up and make sure you have limited access to. So it's the same thing with the data. There are certain things that, that you need to lock down and secure more. And that's the whole grading process of understanding what do I, what's, who has access to what and how is it handled accordingly. So how do, how do you interact with businesses to help them secure their data through your services? Well, we, we start to sit down. We, we don't, what we start to do is we start with a cyber risk assessment. Mm -hmm. We have to go ahead and look at where their endpoints are, where their data is living. Email, we start to look at how, what type of rules are done. You know, who has control, who has access to it? We really build out a whole um, system of understanding where that data is and what the risk is, mm -hmm. what the complexity. You know, what you want to know is, you know, what's the value of your, of your data? What happens if, you know, you lost your data? You know, people don't really understand the value of it unless they have it there. And quick one is like, what would happen if you lost half of the money in your bank account? And that's... You know, I think we all know exactly what that would be. Uh, yeah, exactly. heart attack. <laughs> heart attack, exactly. So, you know, I had a client, we were talking for a while and we were talking about cybersecurity. And once, you know, he said, well, you know, I don't fall under any compliance. I said, well, what type of records are you holding? He goes, I'm holding like the financials for everybody's company. He, they do very high-end consulting for on a very high-end for high-end financials. And I said, well, look, it's not, your biggest asset is really people trusting you. And if you get breached, what is that going to cost you to your reputation, to the ability for you to do the business correctly? Oh, that's true. Because here's what happens. When you get breached, people don't realize the legal implications and all of the all of the stuff you have to do to start making people whole and going back in there. It, it can be quite crushing to a business. To just, It's not just fixing that, your own stuff. It's also the records that you may be holding inside of it. So part of it is understanding what, you know, what's there. And then you start to create controls inside of it, so how the data moves inside the system. Because you still need people to do their jobs, mm -hmm. but you also want to limit, you only want to give them access to the things that they need for when they need to use it. You know, the whole yeah. thing is, well, I don't see it, it's on the cloud, so I never really paid attention to it. Meanwhile, that's all your risk, is sitting there, out, out there, and you're not controlling it or having an understanding of it. And the exposure, 
you know, a small breach, if, let's say in a lot of cases, I'll show people examples of like, oh, if you lost 200 records of a certain size, your exposure, re realistically, if you needed to report it and get a, and have to make an insurance claim, you're somewhere around $100,000. If you have 2,000 records or 25,000 records, maybe it's 125,000. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, wait, there's not that much difference in the size of records. No, it's because all of the resources are front-ended. You're going to need to have a cyber breach coach, which is a specialized attorney that's going to have to know how to go through this, and you're going to have to have a forensics team. To make claims on your cyber insurance, mm -hmm. you need to be able to package that up so that the because they'll sell you cyber insurance, <laughs> but you want to collect on it, you need to have a document showing that you did your due diligence to, pr to make sure that your environment was protected to the best of your ability, uh, to the most reasonable standards. Oh, so you mean tell me if you get cyber insurance, but they do like an audit on you and find out that you After, were not when you put your claiming when you put your claim in. If you weren't protecting it to your full uh, extent, to, or to the, business to reasonable, not doing that. within a reasonable amount of time, you know they're not going to be depending on what you're protecting and how much the claim is. Uh -huh. You know they they can reject. They're looking for rejections. The most if you're talking to your insurance agents, your business, you know the the people are doing business lines of insurance. Mm -hmm. you, they'll tell you that cyber insurance is the most noisy insurance right now because most people don't the agents don't understand how to sell it. They're looking at they're, look. It's a commission line item. And that's and so the but the claims people are looking at this now and people are making all these claims, and so now what you have to do is be able to. They're starting to say, "Well, wait a second, we're not making money with this product," and that's not how insurance works. How do we limit our payouts? Exactly. How do we? And it's the same thing when cars first came out. You know, we didn't have all the fancy safety features. Those have all been pushed by the insurance companies because that reduces claims. Why do we now? You know, drunk driving went to almost you know no tolerance. The claims were so crazy. That was what started to happen is the insurance really changes be business behavior. And, you know, right now, like we talk about ransomware, it used to be, well, you pay the ransom. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the problem. Where's that money going to? Well, it's going to Russia or Ukraine. And now the governments are looking at this. They're rechanging the name from ransom to extortion. Yeah, that's what it seems like, extortion. Well, it is extortion. And so they're saying we don't pay extortion. We don't pay the terrorists. So it's the same methodology. Right now in uh, Australia, they've stopped. And I wouldn't be surprised with the way the environment is going and the way we're decentralizing, we're no longer become, that you're going to start to see where insurance companies are going to be like, no, we're not paying this these claims, where they were. And so that's also an exposure. But there have been like large municipalities where they've paid, the, where they've paid for the cyber, you know, they've paid for those claims. So it's... You know, it's crazy. And when they get the data back, the sad part is it's not in great shape. Um, you know, they're just like... Wait, the data could be like beat up or something? Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, you... it's like, if you think about it, it's like, you know, somebody took your file cabinet and they dropped it off. <laughs> you know, it's like, you ever see, a, you know, kidnap, you know, the kidnap victim isn't always looking all fresh and quaffed. Unfortunately, true, true. it's the same thing with the data. Sometimes, you know, the data doesn't restore correctly. It's not like you're going to get a warranty on this. You're not, you know, you're just... It's a, they're just taking the money. And um, the sad part is that businesses that do go through these breaches and don't do any protection, like 80% chances of repeat are almost guaranteed because what happens is they look on the, the cyber criminals are working in these very large organizations. They go, okay, well, this guy has been breached. He's a good target and we're going to bleed him again. Or oh, again. It just repeats itself because this is, these guys, they don't, they look at as you, they look at you as a product. Mm -hmm. And they don't care. You know, they could, you know, I think I told you the story of um, there was a doctor who was brought to me because he thought he was paying too much for his um, 
for his IT services. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah and, <laughs> and he, I, I, I talked to him, a nice guy, and I said, "So, what do you? Th- what's? The, what are they charging for?" He goes, "Well, they want four thousand dollars for a firewall for my iPad." Oh. Well, you can't. <laughs> you can yeah. buy, you buy well, four first, iPads for them. I, well, first of all, an iPad doesn't get firewalls. And then the, the next thing was, yeah, they said if I've got this, I'll never get a virus again. Well, what did I tell you? The first thing, the first way to guarantee you're a liar. Um, long story short, he had called a um, – he'd went online and put Microsoft support in. And the bad guys ran an ad above the Microsoft support, called this number for support. They called up. And this is a doctor. This is not a stupid guy. He's a very smart man. And he went in and they said, okay, well, we don't help you. Talk about your level of trust. You're going to call this group called HP Tech. And HP Tech will help you. So HP Tech was, again, this was the scam. They started. They wanted about 15 grand or 16 grand of services to protect them. He had gotten wise, stopped. Something didn't sound right. Mm-hmm. I had gotten a, a forensics expert in because we didn't know what the level was. But I said to him, look, we know this is a bad guy. I said, you were a doctor. He goes, yes. I said, what would happen if you named your practice John Hopkins? And he said, they would sue me. He goes, well, what do you think they would do to H- a company that calls themselves HP Tech? He goes, there you and, and very quickly, we were able to, you know, he understood what was going on. Yeah. We showed him samples of actually recordings of these type of scams being done. He goes, exactly the same thing. Yeah. And we were able to then start moving them into the right spot. We we started to do layer stuff, password managers, cyber. You know, one of the things to know whether a company is going to get breached or not is whether they do any type of cyber awareness training. Because if they're not training their staff mm-hmm. on how to recognize and realize scams, it doesn't matter what tools are in place. Because a lot of these types of scams are done with soft engineering, meaning confidence schemes. A lot of the emails that go through don't have any payloads. What they're doing is they're trying to imitate people and to cr- and basically doing the old con game. It's just being done in email form. Is that or, what's called um, social hacking? Social hacking. Something That's like that. Social, when they, na- yeah. They send you these random emails and they ask you like seems like regular questions, but it's designed to like get information from you to get into the system. Yeah, it's just like something like that. They, and you, what they're doing is they're pulling pieces of information from a puzzle from different spots mm-hmm. to put the puzzle together. So you may be giving one little piece of information by itself. Doesn't seem like a piece, but when you start to combine it with multiples, they start to be able to learn how to impersonate and to create a new persona that can get in there. There's been so many different cases. The new scam, I'll give you a quick example. New scam that's happening now because of the um, gas prices are people have been getting emails from being spoofed coming from their bosses or from the HR departments saying, congratulations, you know, because of this it, this burden that's been put upon you, uh-huh. we're sending you a $25 gift, gift card this month. Go here, go to this link to claim it. Who wouldn't click that? Of course. <laughs> Who wouldn't would click there? that? That's how they're doing it. That's the newest scam. Another, you know, you know, there's just so many different layers that come in. So that's why you have to train your staff because they can be your biggest asset or they can be your biggest liability. Oh, man, that's crazy. That reminds me of the uh, the Facebook apps that, you know, they seem innocuous and everything like that. Uh, click here to this, like the Farmville. Like, oh, God, Farmville. Like they, they tell you to click on these for the uh, who's your favorite actor? What well, character yeah. would you be? Yeah, exactly. Are they data mining? Yes. So they are data mining. They're doing look when you go onto a web when you go onto Wi-Fi at a restaurant mm-hmm. and you get that free Wi-Fi. Yeah, they've got your MAC address on that device. Mm-hmm. That those Wi-Fi's are being bought by the same company. They now know as you travel because your Wi-Fi is always on looking for networks. That MAC address identifies you all throughout the country as you start to travel. 
if you go to hotels, every there's nothing free in this world. It's just they're they're trying to now that's I think I've told marketing. The tools that they use for marketing and the tools that they use for cyber theft are this almost exactly identical because what they're trying to do is grab information. The more information, the better, you know, in sales, the better, the more you can understand about your client, your potential customer, the more likely you are to sell. The same thing works for the bad guys. So the tools are very similar as far as being able to grab those, grab that data. Yeah. Wow. That's. So part of a lot of what I'm doing besides the tools and putting the layers in place is the education that has to go in there. Uh-huh. Because you've got to work from the ground up to start to change the paradigm of like, I'm too small. I can't be hacked. I'm not, you know, I, nobody's going to bother you. I hate to tell you, you're aggregated data. And if you have something of value, you know what? This web, we, they don't, they just go through it. They harvest. It's like they pull in a big net. They go, there's a, you know, they don't look at what company it is. They start to go, oh, there's some value there. And then they start to pull it out. So again, that's why you start to do this cyber risk assessment. Because if you don't know what's of value in your company mm-hmm. and what you need to protect, you won't know until it, you're, you know, something you don't know happens to, protect, to you. Yeah, exactly. So, like, all my information in my Dropbox is not secure. Is Dropbox secure? It depends on how you're using MFA. Multi-factor authentication. Sorry, I used tech speak. Multi-factor authentication. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, my brain clicked for a second. I was like, wait, I know what that is. Yes, multi-factor authentication, which means that you're, that you're getting a, a text sent to your phone yeah. when you're locking in. I would use multi-factor authentication, mm-hmm. you, not even a text message, but using the apps themselves. Your text... One of the things with text, you can buy an app in the Apple Store or in the Google Play Store that where I can spoof any phone number or tech or as a text or a phone call, so meaning that I can pretend that if I'm in a large organization that I'm calling from inside the organization. Oh. Or I could be texting and using your boss's phone number as a spoof. So you think it's coming from your boss. Because the number shows up exactly the same. I've had that happen to me, but it's more about my car's extended warranty. So that's why you also start to create policies in place where if any type of money transfer that you need to have a verbal okay. Or you have certain you have to have certain things that go in place because people get those fake texts. And that's another place we call it instead of phishing, we call it smishing. So there's a whole and and the same thing for social media. It's the same anywhere where people can communicate, there can be somebody in the middle trying to make some money off of it and not benefiting either person so that's you know anywhere anywhere think about like with bars you go to a bar there's some chance of somebody picking pick pocking you possibly if you know to go to the nice crowded bar or whatever you know and um even when you go to a restaurant you sort of want to watch your credit card to make sure somebody isn't skimming off the side with those old it's the same thing where people where people meet unfortunately not everybody's looking out or trying to do the best things i'm uh-huh. not trying to scare you we just need to be aware of it because if you're not then you're going to then you can get suckered. And that to me is what's really horrible because this is, in a lot of cases, this is people's money. They, they're not getting back. They work really hard for this. And it's just a shame. So we got to like wrap it up a little bit. But so yes. give me the top five things that small businesses can do today to like just increase. Besides hiring somebody like myself? Besides, that was going to be my last thing. Okay. But, but last okay. okay. But um, well, First thing is if you don't have, you need to set up an M- MFA policy, mm-hmm. meaning multi-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. Most important thing on your email, on your bank accounts, anywhere. Basically, you're going to use your phone as your key to get into those systems. Okay. Besides your password. Get a good password manager, like LastPass. I don't sell LastPass, but it's a really good one. What that does is you only learn one password, mm-hmm. and that will help you generate very complicated passwords that you can automatically fill in. They can tr- transfer across to your phone and into your tablet and onto your computer. And you don't. all you have to do is remember one password. Um, back up everything and test the backups. A lot of these ransomwares would have been stopped if they had had good backups. 
So like cold storage? Cold storage. Even if you're using some type of, you know, third party, and that's, you know, for, for just backing it up, even just do something. Because <laughs> most people don't have anything there. But you also want to test and restore it if you're doing a backup. Because the last time you want to figure out if a backup is working is in the middle of a fire. Yeah. And then, you know, outside of there's some more steps that you do. You want to have some good behavior policies of how, you know, if you're working in groups, how does, how does money get transferred? Who gets control over things? And the other, th- other thing is to evaluate your data. You know, wh- where are your social security numbers being held in your company? Mm-hmm. Where are bank records being held? Who has access to client data, proprietary data? All of these things. What is of value? You need to start doing some form of grading. So those are the basic things that you start to work with. And if you don't understand it, then you, you and you, you know, you need help with it. That's where you'd hire somebody like myself, or, you know, that would help you through that process. Carl, I want to thank you for coming oh, on the show. Oh, my and, pleasure. You know, informing all of this information. And, you know, give me a heart attack, but now I have to go look at my data. If uh, other businesses or other people, you know, who are worried about their data, keeping it secure, how can they get in contact with you? I have a website, uh, booking.a-to-z-businessit.com. Mm-hmm. You can go right to there. We'll put a link. I, I can give you the link and all that stuff. <laughs> Don't worry. It's going to be at the bottom somewhere. There, somewhere in the bottom. <laughs> or in the description. In the description. We'll have that there. Mm-hmm. And you can go right there. You can send an appointment with me. We can do a – I'm glad to give you a half an hour of my time for a free evaluation. And, you know, see where you are. At least at the end of that, you'll know what, where you are, what your exposures are. You know, see if that makes any sense. That's great. And if you want to – and if you don't want – to the, you can go back to the site. We'll even just say, hey, I want to be on the newsletter. You can send that and we'll send you out cyber tips. I mean, it's really good to be kept aware of these types of things. It changes so much. The the behaviors stay the same. Mm-hmm. It's the tools that change and you just have to become, you know, there's always some new gotcha. That's why I live in a com- community of a whole bunch of, you know, we sit around scaring each other. You know? <laughs> have you heard about the newest thing today? <laughs> Grab some coffee. We're going to, it's going to be a long night, guys. <laughs> That's nothing. Yeah, folks, uh, I'm gonna say that I've heard uh, from some other clients of Carl's that have, you know he's helped out, and you know the man's good to his word. He helps him feel uh, sleep good at night. If you want to catch this full episode, please follow my podcast on wherever you get your podcast out. It's available Eclipse Sky Studios podcast. You'll find it there, and also follow me on Instagram and uh, Facebook at Eclipse Sky Studios. And we'll see you next episode. Thanks.